Hey, it's a me, Mario. Love Channel 101, but hate looking at shit? Try Frequency 101. All you gotta do is record an audio pilot, make it five minutes or less, and submit it to... Submissions at Channel101.com! The listening audience will vote for the favorites, Mamma Mia, and the top five shows will return next month. And don't worry, it's all audio, so you won't have to look at any flop dongs. Frequency 101, you won't have to look at any dicks or buttholes. You are listening to Primetime Flies, a Channel 101 podcast where time flies and we talk with all sorts of Primetime Channel 101 and Frequency 101 people, creators, writers, actors, directors. And the point is to get to know these wonderful people and we'll learn more about their craft, certainly their relationship with Channel 101. And I'll use my time to shower them with much deserved appreciation, affection and gratitude for their work. Off the top at Channel 101 official. Follow us on Instagram. Keep making and submitting your pilots. You know where they go. Email them electronically with files, Google We Drive transfer to submissions at channel101.com in an email, uh, including your five-minute TV shows or five-minute audio-only radio dramas. And if you aren't already doing this, get started making these shows because each month these shows are screened to a big old community of geeks like you and me. You know this. Your pilot could be one of the five new shows competing for votes against the five returning shows, and you can submit your shows to this monthly screening festival from anywhere in the world. And as of COVID times, silver lining, you can now watch the festival from anywhere in the world via Twitch. So that's awesome, of course. And I know this. I want to thank Nick Hurley for having a second big old chat with me. Uh, Show creator, actor, writer, stand-up comic, TikTok star, handsome AF, in no small feat, He played the same character for 10 months of Channel 101 screenings in the show Street Cleaning. You've seen him in April's episode of Trading Up. And of course, I love him because he's human. And I love humans. (laughs) I'm pretty sure he's human. If if he wasn't... uh, Anyway, give a warm welcome to Nick Hurley. I'm taking a sip of my drinky. And this will be in the podcast when I do this. All right. Uh, so welcome back to my show, sort of, but more so like welcome back to your show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a what a funny um, arc. What a funny arc. But yeah, it's great to be back or back for the first time or for the I don't know. It's it's yeah, it's all very uh, complicated. <laughs> it's all some kind of weird metaphysical thing that no one interested in one on one would like that. <laughs> So what have you been keeping busy with since since last summer during that crazy pandemic thing we had? <laughs> well, I've been really focusing on stand-up recently. Uh, I was working on a lot of social media content before that, and then that's kind of died down, to be honest. But I've been back at work at the Laugh Factory. So I work a lot there, spend a lot of time there, which is great and also exhausting. Um, but yeah, I've been trying to, I've been really focused on trying to get stand up going and getting good at that. And that's kind of been my focus. Well, we should talk about that too. Like it, it was, it was like noted 
on the Patreon. The the last one you co-hosted would be like the last one. It's not. It's like a soap opera. You could come back at whatever point you want to. Probably, I'm assuming, like no love lost. You're spreading your wings in other areas. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I miss talking to Aaron and Adam. They're great, but it was time for me to step away and kind of focus on other things. I think, and I think you know, my heart wasn't in it exactly specifically and I thought that they had a really good handle on it and I thought I had a good rhythm and I didn't see where I could contribute a lot so I uh, yeah stepped away but it's been cool to explore a new world and a new challenge and so that's been nice right well gang we're gonna explore (laughs) gather around we're gonna I'd like to explore with you like we'll treat this as a clean slate I didn't re-listen to our last podcast together, but I'm interested to know the Nick Hurley story. I want to know what, let's just jump straight to, to stand up in this moment. What kind of challenges does that platform have for you? Yeah. Uh, well, I got started in channel 101 with, I mean, I submitted something. I don't even know what year, but years before I really got involved that we submitted something, Ted and I submitted something, it was rejected. And then a few years later, we met Peter DeRemer, who got us back involved there. And we did Thieves, and it was very mediocre, but it had a couple episodes. But yeah, I got involved there, and it was it was really great. I mean, that from there on out, you know, it was really part of the community, and it was a social community as well as a, a creative community, which was really great. And um, so, yeah, and then like street cleaning happened. We did that for a year and I was just a contributor for a while and it was um, it was great. I mean, I I still feel like it's a uh, part of my uh, world, so to speak. I don't mean to speak about it in past tense, but that's just kind of was my journey through it. And stand up's been cool because it's just a complete I You know, I hadn't done live performance for so long probably since doing like sketches at nerd melt um which was also kind of loosely tied to channel 101 but stan has been cool it's live it's it's a it's a it's a whole new beast but i do love the immediacy of it it's really cool that there's not a you know there's a process but you can kind of just you go you do it you go up the 10 minutes or whatever it is is over and then you go to the next one and then you just kind of keep, it's very easy to replicate, obviously much cheaper to replicate than uh, episodes and productions. Right. So that's, what's cool about it. That's what I really like about it. Was there like a sense of <laughs> on either side, like some sort of separation anxiety? Cause I'd like to believe that like, I believe anyone, I want to cut out my rambling. I believe that anyone who says they're done with it could come back and do an acting role at whatever point. It's not like, um, I'm also curious to know, like what contributed to the feeling of burnout? I think, uh, what was the first part of that question? I mean, I don't know. It was forgot. in another language and I, and I, <laughs> I was sitting beside myself going like, stop, just stop. <laughs> so sorry. Like when you, when you talk about like the, the point in time when, when you were feeling like you were moving away from it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was there a sense of drama to that? Or was it, was, yeah. there, was there, a, was there a feeling making you feel like what's going on, man? You, not into 101 anymore? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, okay, I get you. Uh, no, there was nothing dramatic that happened. Um, I think I felt myself kind of growing apart, kind of like a relationship. I don't know. I, I always sort of, I, 
it's interesting because I feel like I have a lot of great relationships with individuals, but in other ways, and this is going to come to a shock to probably everyone, but I just never really felt as I, a lot of times didn't feel like I fit in, in a weird way, which is weird. Cause I have like, there's so many, like I said, there's so many individual people that I feel very close with and, and love dearly. But I don't know, a part of me is almost even like, well, are they even in the community as well? Are we kind of all friends on the periphery or something? I don't know. I'm kind of talking through this as I go. So I might regret some of this, but, you know, it's almost like I more so identify with people who have kind of taken a step away from it as well. Maybe I can definitely relate, you know, with different projects or phases in life and creative projects. It's definitely something that that happens. It sounds like the inner, what am I trying to say here? That sounds like a right answer to me. Yeah. And, 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 you know, like I was really, and especially at the time, not so much anymore, but I was really trying to focus on creating social media content and growing a social media following. And I'd like to get back to that eventually, but so to have that, and then kind of at a certain point, like I said, I feel like I didn't have much more to contribute and creating things wasn't really on the horizon for me with how everything was and, you know, I don't have a creative partner anymore. And I'm, it's, it's really hard for me to, I I'm learning a lot more about my sort of own mental stuff and like ADHD and all, all kinds of stuff that, and that's helped me. Cause I can kind of like figure out, Oh, this is why this and this and this, it's hard for me to do a lot of the things that other people have a more easier time, I think doing. So that's part of it. And um, I, I felt like I, it was all, up to me to if we're talking like creating things specifically not relating to the podcast at all but just kind of creating things I felt like it was all up to me and I feel like that's not really my role or that's not my strength to be like an all encompassing creator like an Alex you know he can just do literally everything he's teamed up with Dave too but Dave is also another example of that I just don't think that's my strength Maybe I will be inspired to create again. Well, I, I guarantee I'll create again. I just don't know when that will be and with who and what it will be. Yeah. But I know I felt kind of just, I, I really fell in love with the immediacy of like content, like stupid, quick, easy content too. I'm not going to lie. Maybe they're like, that's the problem with the world or whatever. And maybe that's true. <laughs> I don't know. But for me, it was like, I was getting a lot out of just doing 30 second videos and not having to make a production out of it. And so it's kind of hard to be like, I'm going to spend a bunch of money and time and energy and ask a bunch of favors to make a five minute thing when like the appetite seems to be for one minute or less, which you can all do by yourself. I'm work. I'm literally, this is like, uh, I think I said this the last time we talked, but it's almost like therapy because I, I haven't even articulated these things that I'm telling you. So I'm kind of right. just <laughs> discovering it as we talk. So these aren't like, these are not fully baked conclusions or anything. They're just kind of, I guess, thoughts. Right. Like, I mean, you're in good company. A lot of great people who've contributed to 101 have moved away from it as well. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <it's, laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know what that was meant to do. I, I don't know if it helps, but I'm putting it out there, whatever. I can edit it out later if it sounds dumb. <laughs> no, no, for sure. Um, yeah, I get you. Clip time for a good old clip. 
This is audio from Thieves by Ted Marsden, which screened in September 2015. Uh, and in it, I always loved the interplay between the co-stars Nick Hurley and Chandler Duke. Enjoy this clip from it. So how'd the audition go? Uh, male stripper number two. No way, me too. After the HBO thing? Yeah, I was number three. They switched me to number two. Like no my way. look. Wow. Fingers crossed. Oh, good luck to you, man. I, hey, good yeah. luck to you, you yeah, know? Thanks, Thank man. you. Oh, shit, there he is. Look, he's still vining right now. He vines everywhere he goes. Kyle Crean, vine playboy. Uh, what's better, a half a mil priceless work of art or a damn titties? Whoa! Yeah, this uh, is... What's better, a half a mil... So this guy just gets paid all this money to do vine? It's highway robbery of, like, artistic expression. If way. that makes sense. I don't get it. You know, he does six-second vines, and I worked years. I'm on busting my hump at these as auditions. The thespian and study the nuances of drama. I, I get a guy stealing oh, my fame and fortune, literally, and throwing it down the drain. Let's go. Is this the place? Yeah, yeah. This place is really nice. Kind of a mess. We have three minutes. I'll take this sector. Just go, go. While we're on the chat today, I hope you don't mind if I publicly thank you once again for what the shows that you did do for 101, because it's great work. If I were to do your primetime flyer stats right now, cue the music. <laughs> Show creator of three shows, including Street Cleaning, with a mighty 10 episodes, self-canceled, Demons with a dollar sign, and Get Rich with David Branson. Underrated. We talked about that last time. You know I love it. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Director and actor in all three of those shows. Writer and producer credits as well. Uh, with Thieves and Feed the Mailman and all those rules. You were a major part of crafting 12 to 5 solid episodes of shit between them. Also, as an actor, you were kind enough to offer your gifts and time to other shows like Typesetter's Son, Pop It, Late Tonight with Nick Burden, Making Partner, Profess the Credits, Cybercrime City Mysteries, P-Quest, and Bleeding Out. The episode count for Nick's acting time is 27 bitchin' episodes of shows, uh, which does not count for Rejected Pilots, which I don't know about. But I do recall seeing a funny one by my guest next week, Clayton Root, with you catching a football, talking about the greatest NFL player of all time, which I found funny. I don't know what it's called, though. And I know fuck all about sports. And Nick, as I mentioned, you co-hosted the Channies and uh, the 101 podcast of Brad Gage. What I don't know, if you remember, you've won some Channies. Am I wrong? I won one Channy, and I all but begged for it. <laughs> <laughs> I Not intentionally. I indirectly campaigned for it for like a year plus. And I think <laughs> it was like a pity award. But yeah, I got uh, most unfairly canceled for Demons. Shit, man. I love Demons. I think uh, I speak for everyone. Yep. Well, I'm, I'm saying that I do. I don't know if that's true or not. It was unfairly canceled. And the trophy goes too. <laughs> Thank you. By the way, I appreciate you. It wasn't like wham, bam. Thank you, man, with being on the podcast last time. You've, you've responded to my messages, but I haven't been able to make it out to Los Angeles to have coffee with you yet. Oh, I'm sure we'll make it happen. So how did you find out about 101 first? Because I know, I think Thieves was in 2015. So sometime before that. Um. Uh, yeah, it was so, well, I mean, I used to watch Channel 101 in high school in media class. So we were creating stuff while kind of watching what was going on at Channel 101. So it was kind of, because there's a lot of dead time in media, as right. you might imagine. We just produced the bulletin 
And so when that downtime, everyone's just kind of watching stupid videos, whether it's <laughs> E-bombs world or it's, yeah, you know, at the time there was just all these different outlets and it wasn't like YouTube. It wasn't centralized. It was all kind of these different sites that you would go to. Yeah. And like your friend so, would tell you about it. Yeah, exactly. So that was kind of channel one-on-one. But it was still kind of like I was I didn't have like a deep fandom to it. Like I wasn't involved in the chat. It was kind of just, oh, watch this video. And it was kind of just another website where you watch a funny video. So well, I wasn't like super into the lore and you know, and the yeah, and the people. I just so even now I'd be like, I'll see an episode and be like, oh yeah, I, did, I saw that like years ago. I just forgot I've seen that. But I'm not a I was never a big I wasn't watching every episode, every show i didn't know all the names of people stuff like that and then moved to la where did you move from again sacramento the suburbs of sacramento with ted marsden and then we both ended up in la and then we made a web series and we actually did the thing you're not supposed to do a channel 101 which is we just submitted a web series that was created independently of channel 101 and then i remember we went to a screening or we went to the screen that we were rejected. So we were rejected and then we wanted to see, you know, okay, what beat us. And I remember one of the episodes was, is it Raptor Copter or something? Oh, damn. With, I remember my experience We when we went was like, fuck this. This is a circle jerk. And like, this is just a circle jerk. So fuck channel 101. So I relate to all those people who think that I have changed my mind. All I'm saying is I resonate a little bit with people who have that feeling because it can appear that way when you submit something that you work really hard on and you show up and there's like a bunch of guys in a living room and that's what gets on kind of thing. Right. Um, so, yeah, so I was kind of like turned off by it. And then until Peter came along and we decided to make a pilot specifically for it with Chandler Duke was also there and we made Thiefs. That was kind of got us back into it. Even though we were still, we still didn't have any respect for making that. So we were still kind of on the outs. And it wasn't until street cleaning that we really <clears throat> were kind of accepted. With Thieves, what, what do you think it was just going off like the first episode that people were like, this show, these, these people? I think it was just probably like just good enough to get in because it was, it was produced well. It's well produced even though I don't think it's great. It was well-produced. And then it got through because I think someone finaled or something. So we kind of, there was kind of an, it was just one of those situations where we like just made it in. I think we were fifth place. So we got another episode almost on a fluke. And then the second episode was worse than the first one. And it kind of bombed. And then we were canceled. Even though I will say someone on the comments, sec- I, re- I remember someone on the comment section on Channel 101 said that we should have beat out one of the shows or something. So I remember thinking like, yeah, we should have or something. Yeah. That's how random the voting is. Like like sixth place, like it hurts, but then you have to take a moment to think people voted for it. No, for sure. So, and then we, and then we didn't, and then, you know, Ted and I came back with street cleaning. Street cleaning, 10 episodes strong. It was a mighty show and ended on its own terms. What, what was your favorite part of making street cleaning whether it was like that time in your life or different people coming into it and getting involved that weren't in the first episode and also what do you think was the best part of the show itself like as a watcher it it was what was cool about it was we were able to meet a bunch of people i remember you know ask kurt neal all of a sudden you had this 
ability to get people involved in the project and people you want to work with. So like Kurt Neal was kind of the first one. We basically just kind of got to go down the Hall of Fame of Channel 101 actors, as well as, you know, Ryan Thomas took over as DP. And a lot of a lot of very talented people kind of helped us out, helped us create that show. So that was kind of cool. That was that was the coolest part, you know, establishing a name and creating something people wanted to be a part of. It was cool having a successful show that people liked. It was cool being prolific and just kind of being a part of this for a year long, basically. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of in this machine where you have to get it done. And that is a cool, that was cool. I, I, I'm i jealous of that time almost where you're just like, it's got to get done, but, you know, and you make, and I was working full time at the time. So that's what's funny is I was probably had less time and was doing more, definitely had less time and was doing more. <laughs> So that was all great. Um, Oh, the best thing about the show, I think it's just like we really kind of honed in on a tone that we occasionally strayed from, I think, in the later episodes, because you kind of just start to like, okay, what else can we do with this kind of thing? I think uh, Ted and I really were able to hone in on a tone. And I think it was cool kind of like learning how to kind of package what am I trying to say? Basically, like make a show that is a feels like a cohesive kind of project, and it has a, a vision, and it and it knows what it is, kind of thing. So I think I think we kind of came a long way. That was a really big stepping stone for both of us creatively, and it's all been downhill since. <laughs> um, that was I think that was yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to make like a, a snotty, you know, I remember feeling a different way at 30 than I do now, than I did when I was 25. You might, oh, yeah. I think we're, we're like five years apart or something like that. Uh-huh. There's this kind of like weird thing that happens every five years. I realize how much easier it was five years ago. And I'll read blogs from five years ago of being like, man, things were so much easier five years ago. <laughs> I was so much oh, more yeah, mo- yeah. motivated, healthy, successful and creative things. And it's, it's fucked up. And I hate that. I just want the feeling now that I'm doing the best job. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. I think uh, there was like, I- I've said before, like I kind of miss being like the younger, like a little bit cocky, a little bit like, Oh, I'm next kind of thing. I had that kind of, swagger i think and you know some people might be like ew that's gross or i mean i'm definitely more humble but i also feel like i've lost that that little uh edge that can maybe propel you in in some ways yeah i mean just think things evolve and things change and but that was the last time i mean that was truly the last time i feel like i gave at least in a film television whatever creating a production wise I think that was the last time that like all hands were properly on deck kind of thing. And then I was kind of doing stuff by, on my own, which, you know, I probably, I'm just not good enough to do everything on my own. So that was probably part of why. And yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of factors to be honest. There's a lot of factors that kind of um, resulted in kind of never really getting a strong thing out there again but acting is great i'm always down to i've been lucky enough to act in some things i really love like it was really cool being in alex's thing with davy mm. and seager and like that was cool that was because i love the show i've always wanted to be in an alex thing and with seager so that that was definitely cool it was cool to be in like this kind of uh all-stars type of show yeah it's on it's on seager's youtube um, that's right last time i checked yeah 
Clip two here is from an episode of Trading Up from the April 2021 screening featuring a character played by my guest. And it's perfect, as I noticed here in post, that we just talked about it. So here's that scene. Trading Up is the uh, longest running show currently in primetime by David Seeger and Alex Kavutsky. Hey, it's your boy Trey. And if you know me, you know that I don't have any friends and I love to trade things. I'll trade anything. Favors, items, the abbreviations for things. Like, ever heard of KFC? What does that stand for? Uh, Kentucky Fuck Caca? <laughs> I like to have fun. Hi, would you like a free PB&J sample? PB&J? What's that stand for? Penis and blowjob? <laughs> That's funny. I mean, it was a little lazy. I kind of like moved the and to a different spot, but I am starving. What can I trade you for it? A string or a rock? It's a free sample. I will tie these together and make you a crude yo-yo. It's just free. Free, free, just... free, fair? Yeah, just take one. Okay. Take it. Take it. Take it. Wow. What are you trading this month, Trey? the words cocky versus humble before i'm always curious to know about people when it comes to like a self-assessment as we we all do multiple things i don't know what everyone's favorite or most prized title is some people are actors but they take their most pride in writing Mm -hmm. i don't know but as as far as like creative work and quality how do you rate yourself at this moment i've seen some of your um social media content you do wicked awesome impressions are you kind to yourself? I, what I started doing is really not thinking about what I'm posting and that helped me a lot. And I, I, I look back, there's tons of stuff I have up that I haven't take down. I won't take down that I know is just either stupid, cheap, corny, cringy, but like I've kind of adapted the sort of philosophy of just create, put it out there. Who cares? It's done. Put it out. Don't think about it. Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah, it's whatever. I, I just don't think about it I, or I try not to. Even there's stuff now, like there's tons of stuff, tons of stuff all over my social media, I think is cringe or stupid. But I also know that the name of the game is just kind of creating for one. Two, there's people that probably think it's funny. Well, I know some people think it's funny. So why not? You know, I just, I'm not as precious uh, at all. Is, is that something that, helped you from a state prior of being very prone to say no to your creativity to stop you from being creative? hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, that was a big breakthrough for me. And I was telling people at the time when I kind of got some traction, I was getting traction on TikTok. On one hand, you can kind of be like, Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Like I'm on TikTok. But on the other hand, I was like, I was like, look, this is unlocked. Like a part of me, uh, a comedy side, a creativity side, that I had missed for so long back when I was doing like sketch <clears throat> sketches, you know, so I used to do sketch comedy and that had died so long trying to be this kind of, um, I don't know if you want to say like auteur filmmaker, which is probably not my lane. And I was feel like I was trying to make it my lane. Not that, like I said, I would like to make a short, I'm sure I'd like to make even a movie sometime. But I think I almost killed this kind of fun comedy side of me trying to be this like serious artist But I think being able to kind of make stupid stuff that takes 30 seconds unlocked my kind of creativity and really opened doors and really helped me. I mean, it was overall very beneficial and ultimately great. From a present tense, (laughs) as in now, 
you stupid piece of shit. The only way I have of asking this is like a really stupid kind of like Leonard Malton way. Who who's in Go charge? Who's in charge of the the validation committee of Nick Hurley? Mm. I mean, there's always an aspect of probably seeking validation, but ultimately, I really don't need it. Um, I don't really care. That's not really. I want validation for my career because I want freedom and money is freedom. And I don't have a lot of that right now. Mm. So in a way, I just want to get to a point where I am getting, at least I have a career (laughs) with good, stable money. But other than that, I really don't care. I mean, that's part of the reason. That's what kind of got me doing stand-up was like, it doesn't matter. Like whether these people like me or not, it doesn't matter. I don't care if these people laugh. I know it sounds crazy for like an entertainer whose job it is to make, but I really just don't because what does it like, whether I bomb or like none of it really matters in the end. No one's going to care when you're on your deathbed. I'm not going to be like, man, that Tuesday night open mic, no one laughed and someone gave me a dirty look. Who cares? I don't fucking care anymore. So I don't really fucking care. I I wonder why I'll use myself as an example and then we can go back in time. In the same thread, I like the idea of someone someone who cares what people think hearing you say that you don't care what people think. Sometimes hearing someone who's at a different place opens up something, and you know what I mean. Like, yeah, and it's ego. I mean, if you're afraid of like doing something because blah blah blah, that's your ego. Your ego is driving that. Mm-hmm. The reason I wasn't doing stand up for years, years and years, I wasted time and I put myself behind. Granted, everything has its own time, but, you know, I I wasted so many years all because of my ego, all because I was afraid to fail, all because I didn't want to be seen as an open mic comic. I didn't want to be seen as someone who wasn't funny. I didn't want someone who knew me to see me and be like, oh, Nick isn't funny or I saw him bomb. So that's what stopped me was my ego was not wanting to make myself vulnerable to criticism and to not being already good. Same thing with Channel 101. I mean, same exact thing, especially after street cleaning. I was paralyzed because I was like, oh, well, if I don't follow up street cleaning with something good, people think I'm a fraud. People think I'm not good. People think it's a fluke. And so that paralyzed me for years after that. And now the only reason I don't create is not ego. It's more of just kind of energy, time, my inspiration. But that's the primary reason for years after one-on-one was like everything. I just dragged my feet on everything because of my ego. You know, they still call that the street cleaning effect. Oh, yeah. I just made that up. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Well, the example I was going to use was I remember being a very shy, socially awkward kid. I had the worst ego growing up. I'm still fighting off little heads every now and then that pop up. It's a multi-headed monster that still (laughs) creeps out of the black lagoon every now and then. But before it was a giant beast, when I drew art or did something silly and people responded positively, that was me choosing to be like, oh, this is existing. This is mattering. This is wonderful. So it was like I hiding behind your art. It's the same thing that, that you were saying. It's like maybe the goal is we should try to be whole people who make art instead of, you know, their art makes us whole. I don't know. Definitely. No, I think, and I think that was really important for me to, during quarantine, was like I really was able to take time to kind of establish a foundation as a human being and work on my kind of inner peace and and self-improvement as a human. So then I could kind of, the creativity could kind of come after that. And now I'm kind of in like a weird place of, you know, going through a valley, but I know that 
it's like a valley is fine and I'm aware of it and it's, I don't feel like I'm, I'm not surrendered to it. I'm not defeated by it, but I'm just like, okay, I'm kind of burned out right now, but I know what I have to do to keep myself afloat and to kind of pull myself out of it when I'm ready. This is the third clip break and another moment I always loved, which is from street cleaning are the scenes plural with Nick's character, Gregory and Nicole Bagby's sick woman. Nicole Bagby can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. And for a show, which is notably visually stunning, this is a great moment. That's all in the dialogue. Uh, Episode one of street cleaning screened in July, 2016. Enjoy. Take it back. Thank you. Can you take it? Thanks. Oh, uh, sorry. It's, a, it's already in the system. So Please, I... I am so broke right now. I can't afford this. I would have moved it sooner, but I've been inside throwing up all morning. Look. Okay, I know you're just doing your job. Please, I can't afford a $50 ticket right now. 73 What? What? Uh, it t- it's $73 for the... Not 50 Okay, help me out. Please. I were, I'm ve- I'm really wish I could, ma'am, but I see it's... And I'm very sorry you're sick, but it's already in the system, so I can't. Um, I could take the physical ticket back if if you'd like, but you you still have to pay a full price, unfortunately. So. Wow. You're just a fucking power tripping asshole, huh? That's it. You are you getting off on this? Is this making you horny? Watching an innocent person lose money that they don't have, huh? Does this make you feel better about your high school bullies fucking fucking you up? Does that make you feel better about your haircut? No, I'm talking to you. Have a good day, man. Fucking weirdo. So you grew up in Sacramento. Is it, you said you moved out after high school? Mm, No, I went to college. Well, I went to junior college for four years, and then I went to Loyola Marymount, which is in L.A. I'm so sorry for cutting you off. Sorry. So you, you probably have a substantial memory of growing up there, right? What was Nick Hurley's Sacramento experience? It was good. I had really good friends that I still have to this day. I um, had a pretty normal childhood. You know, went to high school, played basketball, class clown, did media. Overall, I like. I mean, Sacramento is a beautiful city. Uh, it's very green. Lots of nature. It's very. Uh, Lots of good people. Completely different from LA. <laughs> <laughs> Does it have a booming industry? I don't know. Maybe insurance or something. Uh, <laughs> insurance. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know it. Sacramento, Sacramento, the insurance capital of. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're the farm to fork capital of the world. They used to be the city of trees, and then some kind of lobby or something. I'm sure, like the farmers' lobby was like, we want our own, and maybe it's more accurate and it's the more distinctive but I still think it's garbage as a name. And I'm still still sore that someone was able to change it to that because it's such a lame. City of Trees was awesome. And it's like, I love trees, City of Trees. It can goes good in rap songs. Mm-hmm. Farm to Fort Capital just sounds like a farm town. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Fort, yeah. This is always hard to ask because I feel like I want to ask more than what the simple question is. What in popular culture, I guess stood out to you that blew your mind that ignited a creative side of you um i mean i've always been like theatrical 
even if not in theater. Like I've always kind of put on shows since I was literally a toddler. I've been right. putting on these like shows for my parents or my friends' parents. And so I've always just kind of been drawn to entertainment. And then comedy was kind of just always a natural fit for me. I was always kind of the class clown, team clown, whatever it was. I was always just the funny guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, Nick, you're so funny, but I won't date you. Um, you know, that was, that's me. That's, I'm that guy. Yeah. So I just was kind of always drawn to comedy. I was, all, I was interested in stand up, but you know, it was just like, oh, maybe one day I'll do that. Right. Um, Did you make your family laugh? Yeah, that was definitely, no, family's a big laughing family. So we're always kind of trying to make each other laugh. And um, yeah. So you felt nurtured when you were growing up and you were, you know, into creativity and theatrical stuff. Was there a different attitude to a communication of you being like, you know what, I this is what I want to do for a living. I'm going to chase it. Um, I just always knew I was very much uh, a believer in the philosophy of like, if you know, follow your heart, dreams, blah, 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 which I think is kind of in some ways bullshit. Also, I don't think you have to necessarily have a career in entertainment to like be true to yourself or whatever. At the time, at least, I was like, well, if I'm going to college, you know, I want to. I remember just distinctly like doing screenwriting because I didn't want to be, even though I wanted to be an actor, I didn't want to go the actor's route, so to speak. I didn't want to be a theater major and then do like auditions and stuff. I knew I always, my blueprint was always like create your own stuff and then eventually you'll get found that way and you'll become an actor because of your own stuff. That was always my blueprint, kind of like the Lonely Island and. You know, even Will Ferrell writes his movies and or some of them or Jason Siegel, I remember, you know, was a co-writer on Forgetting Sir Marshall. So that was always my plan was to kind of get in through my own stuff. Right. And so that's why I did screenwriting. Part of the reason, too, was Ted was doing well, he started cinematography and then he switched to directing, I believe. I don't know what his ending major ended up being, but, you know, it was kind of like to it was like, okay, let's put our strengths together. So I was. I did writing, he did that, and we came back together Went uh, after college, I mean. Let me reiterate, I mean, you know this, I've been trying to repeat myself. Why repeat? I don't know. You're not asking for it. On two podcasts now that I think, and I, I've always thought what you do, whether it's on Channel 101 or wherever I can catch it, I, I don't have a TikTok, but I follow you on Instagram, and I think you're talented, man. I think what you do is fucking fantastic. I'm on board for whatever form your creativity comes out in. And using what I'm saying right now as the truth, on the other end, as far as like, you know, when when we talk about like trying not to care what people think so much when it comes to our ability to maintain being creative, are you able to take it and how do you take it when it comes to positive uh, affirmations or statements? I think, I mean, it feels good, but ultimately I think it's like kind of dessert. I mean, it's... It's something that you shouldn't kind of um, base your, you know, full nutrition on. I think, honestly, I try to make it as much as I genuinely am grateful and appreciate it. I I try to sort of detach from it in the same way that I would detach from any negative sort of feelings and criticism. I try to treat them the same, which is, you know, they're here now, they'll be gone. And ultimately they give you a temporary emotion mm-hmm. but they don't sort of inform necessarily what you what you need to do or you know, it's kind of like after like a after you do stand-up sometimes sometimes like comics will come up and they'll say hey great job or something 
and you're like, oh, that's cool. That's nice. Like I do the same thing. I think it's, it's almost like a polite gesture. And whether it's true or not, I always think I'm like, I don't even know if they mean that, right. but re- whether they mean it or not, I try not to care. So yeah. even if I'm like, even if they did mean it, even if they're like, man, if that doesn't affect what I have to do to get better or when I do it again. So yeah, allowing, sorry, I relate 100%. It came from me taking some me time and reading. I was reading The Art of Happiness, the Bhagavad Gita, and that's where I found the words for the thing that I'd never done before and always tried to do, which was treat the impact of positive statements about you the same as you treat negative because neither should affect you more than your own choice to feel. Mm -hmm. So like when I say things to people on this podcast, I'm going to peel the onion for the listener and I'm sorry for rambling, but it's like, I don't have any need for how someone takes it when I say what I feel about them and their work. But the reason I say it is I feel like I can't not say it. It comes from affection. So it's like, it doesn't have to impact you in any way. But here's Todd being Todd. I can't not want to tell you. So I hope that makes sense. We're all oh, learning definitely. something. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm the same way. And I'm all, I mean, I, ironically, and I don't know how this all fits together and if it's, if it makes sense together, but <clears throat> I'm also a very big believer of like giving someone their flower. So so like I'm a yeah I like I really sometimes even sometimes at the risk of, of being off-putting I'm like you know what I'd rather risk being off-putting and tell this person you know how I feel about their work or them or whatever it is and um, so I'm a big believer in that and I think there is kind of like this sometimes people have this attitude like oh don't you know don't be uh what's the I can't think of the word but basically like don't blow smoke or and I don't think you should blow smoke, but if it's a genuine thing, I think you should say, and I don't think you should be worried or have any apprehension about, you know, spreading positivity and, and whether, you know, whether that does, and even, even if everyone's going to appreciate it, even if you're like of the philosophy, like you're talking about, like we're both talking about mm-hmm. where you're as a person, you try not to like, let it sink in that deep either way. It still is like a good thing to do. And you're always going to, there's always going to be a party that's like acknowledges, like, that's a positive thing that I just experienced, you know, like, Oh, someone complimented me. Yes. I'm not going to like take it to heart and let it go to my ego, but I think that's a nice thing. And ultimately that's spreading love, spreading positivity is all, all good. It's time for one more clip, and then the convo with Nick and I will start to wrap up. I know, it's hard to say goodbye. Listen, you've been a great podcast listener. Have I told you that lately? I haven't heard a peep out of you this whole run. You're so fucking great. K.P. Parker, another 101-er I love, as a person first, and also as the amazing creative performer that they are, uh, who also goes back with Ted and Nick, made her uh, first Channel 101 acting debut in a street cleaning episode made a kick-ass long-running show with Monica Lumba and Ted Marston called Making Partner. And in their show, Nick Hurley was brought into an episode to be awesome. And he plays Herb Lingland. And this is from episode two of Making Partner from the January 2018 screening. Great job on the case last week, everybody. Thanks is in order, especially to Feinstein, Bernstein, Steinstein, my dog Lollipop, and of course... Where would we be without the janitor? Huh? All right, that's it. Great job, everybody. Sir. Sir, you've neglected to mention our junior associates, Frechette and Castellana. 
Thank you, Herb. May I just say that- Looking good, girls. All right, Jimbo, let's get these files out. A slappy, appreciate it, bud. Good work. I got one more question, but I, I can't thank you enough for being the first. And probably I'm kind of like celebrating spiritually the anniversary of the first time we chatted because mm -hmm. it's like you and 101 since like everyone in 101 has changed my life. It's astounding how much for something that's, I mean, mainly happening on the other side of the, the goddamn continent. Um, the question is, and I'm really excited, I'm loving that I'm talking to someone who's spiritually, if only I can't speak for the future, temporarily moved away from 101, you know, for now. Uh, mm -hmm. you're, you're not obligated to make stuff again. However, I'm not ruling it out <laughs> in, my, yeah. in my mind. I'm expecting oh, that I may or yeah. may not see the next Nick Hurley show. But listen, I'm sure that you have three reasons that you would use if you felt the need to coerce someone into making something for 101. One, if you love creating, why not create where you have a built-in platform and audience? So if you truly love creating, then you should create something. And why not for Channel 101? Um, number two, uh, you're going to meet some people and probably, possibly make friends. So it's a way to meet people and um, socialize if you're looking for that. So there's two. And three to get laid no, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, I have never been laid but well never mind Laura keep moving on See, I don't know I, what I was trying to say but um, you were just about to start the version of the podcast that told me he wanted Todd you should make a show where it's just people talking about awkward they fuck? yeah <laughs> no third reason um, well honestly yeah if, like possible to get laid <laughs> but in a in a in a uh, I'll bring it home uh, maybe to find a partner, you know. How about right. that? Yeah, so I would say creativity, community, and reproduction. Right. I mean, we could be talking about sex or creating creating anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome, dude. I I feel like a hot mess, but I think those are the best podcasts. Honestly, if it feels too perfect. It's probably boring, and I'm going to have a <laughs> shitty time editing it. That was, that was a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, and um, I'm glad the podcast is in your hands. For real? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, no, I think it's great. I thought, I thought it was like a perfect fit when I heard, or when you told me. I, th I think I was lost in a sea of awkwardness when I was starting off, and I was trying to say this, but uh, a main signature point of something I told you already in this chat is that it might like me talking with more people from 101 or even getting involved later as I was egged on to do. It's like, how could they extrapolate from me doing a podcast that I would possibly make a show? I think it's because everyone's an advocate. I mean, I've made a bunch of shows. It's such a weird, wonderful thing that happened. And it might not have happened if you being the first person I talked to out there wasn't a pleasant experience. <laughs> like, oh wow! <laughs> I, I might yeah, yeah. I might have been too afraid to talk to anyone else. Um, mm. Oh well, that's cool. So well, I'm glad that it all worked out, and you know that's like uh, that's the butterfly effect, you know. <clears throat> right, man. Please don't be a stranger. I know I know I can be intense <laughs> when I chat. No, yeah, for sure. Keep going, and I look forward to seeing all the stuff that you're putting out. We'll stay in touch. Enjoy your food. Hopefully, it's not all fucking <laughs> sogged.
This podcast features music used with permission from the Holocene EP by Postmodern Machine. Available wherever you get bandcamp.com, but please visit postmodernmachine.com. This has been Primetime Flies, a Channel 101 podcast hosted by Todd Donald. Thanks for listening.